Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? It's going amazing. Welcome to our Spotlight Series, everybody. Yeah, Weed and Grub Spotlight Series, where we talk to people behind companies, businesses, brands that we just super believe in. We started this because we want to learn how business works, and we want to learn from the people who make business work. Yeah, I don't know how anything works, and definitely don't know how any business works, and I want to be successful in business. (laughs) (laughs) I love that our PowerPoint would be like slide one. (laughs) Be bigger. (laughs) Slide two. How does business work? Slide three. What is a dollar? (laughs) No, but seriously, I mean, we're surrounded by so many incredible people starting up their own companies or heading up big, powerful companies. Tony with Flower Co. and Nathan and Shelby with AO Hemp. Hemp. And today we have... Well, can I interrupt? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But before we get to our guest today, can I just say congratulations, Mary Jane? Ah, Okay. (laughs) Congratulations. So you were one of six women chosen by MedMen to be profiled and your profile just came out on their Instagram. Yeah, I feel um, very lucky to be included in a very cool group of women in weed for their series for Women's History Month. It was just a lot of fun to shoot with this incredible photographer. Her name is Leslie Kirchhoff and she, her portfolio includes Pharrell, Solange Knowles, Grace Coddington from Vogue. It Mary was really, Jane Gibson. No, well, it was very cool to shoot with her and to chat with MedMen for the profile. Can I just read a couple quotes real quick? Sure. Okay, so if you want to read the whole profile, you can go to at shopmedmen on their Instagram or at Wingrub or at thisismaryjane underscore, uh-huh. and you can read the whole thing. So MedMen wrote, this woman is on a mission to legalize, give users a voice, and to practice what she preaches. Mary Jane Gibson, writer, performer, co-host of Weed and Grub podcast, literally writing history. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. They they definitely, uh, some of the things that they wanted to know about were very cool to talk about. For instance, like, you know, what, it, what it's like to be a woman in the cannabis world and what my thoughts were about, you know, whether or not it was harder for women. And well, what did you say about that? You know, my answer was really that it's generally just like being a woman in the world it's you know you have to fight a little harder you have to work a little harder you have to do a little better in order to be heard and just not to listen to your detractors and not let other people get you down I mean there were definitely times in my career as a cannabis writer where people really questioned my uh, right to be there or to have anything to say and I had to sort of believe in myself and believe that what I had to say was something that other people would want to hear so it was very uh, cool to be selected for their series and I'm really glad that it's off it's yeah it was pretty cool and so yeah we have an incredible guest he's incredible mm-hmm. Roger Volodarsky yes he's the CEO the creator the inventor of Puffco. Puffco, which is a company making top-of-the-line vaporizers for cannabis concentrates. So for anyone listening who doesn't know about cannabis concentrates, they're just an extracted version of the plant. So they're a super effective, potent delivery of cannabinoids. It's like a Mario star. <laughs> sure. Right? I mean, yeah. It kind of is. Know, a little dab. A little dab will do you like a Mario star. Basically, the way you dabbed was with a torch and a nail, and you would heat the nail with a torch. And Rogers saw a need for a safer way to dab and created Puffco Peak, which is this top-of-the-line smart rig for 
for cannabis concentrates that's basically this like foolproof incredibly accessible accessible efficient it's a click system so you open the box you give it a click Mm -hmm. you're ready to roll and it looks good and it looks so good yeah like some people fuck with those ferraris you know where they look like a flat leaf oh you know what i'm talking about where they go zero to 60 in half of a second like the viper exactly Ooh, (laughs) i wanted a viper growing up so bad i wanted a yellow one oh i wanted blue but now i have a purple puffco peak so there you go it does it looks so clean and so sexy they are very sexy the puffco peak for me is the ultimate smart rig yes i just judged something that we can talk about another time uh-huh. and it's all I used. Yeah. More important not not more importantly, equally as important is Roger's story. Yes. The highs, the lows. Truly incredible. It's fucking incredible. It is incredible. And he's so committed to learning more about himself through the people that he surrounds himself with. Like he really truly listens to people that he trusts to become a better person and then do better in the world. I felt like I took wisdom away from our conversation. And to me, that is not only what the Spotlight series is about, but that is something that I deeply hunt as a human being. Yeah, for sure. So congratulations, Mary Jane. Thank you for doing this conversation with us, Roger. And without further ado, here's our conversation with Roger Volodarsky of Puffco. So you're the CEO of Puffco. That's right. I bought Puffco.com with 1200 bucks that I borrowed from my mom in 2013 and if you thought puffco was a name that like we just settled on because it was available i actually paid 1200 dollars for puffco.com wild wow Um, the idea of co-signing yourself and saying i believe in me and what i'm doing so hard that i'm gonna borrow to lock it in is a big move i mean i would i would not tie it to belief in myself it was really puffco was created i think I think this will resonate with anybody in their 20s or early 30s. There's this frustration that you hit turning 30, that you kind of realize that you're not what you thought you were going to be. Every ambitious person I know starts going through a depression as 30 starts nearing in. Fuck, I don't have a house. I mean, me personally, I was in my mom's basement at the time. I had moved out from the roommate I was with. I wanted to like reset my life. Now that I know I'm not going to be an investment banker, like there are opportunities that I had that were boring to me. I don't want to work 60 hours a week on something I'm not passionate about. It really became what can I give my time to that would just make me happy to spend time doing it. And if I knew how hard it would be, I probably would have had to believe in myself much more than I did at the time. But it was really a matter of this is really cool and I might be able to do this and it's worth a shot. Wow. I feel like I met you in 2014, maybe 2015. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, likely end of 2014, I started developing as much as I could, not knowing anything about product development, going on to Alibaba, finding factories, telling them what I wanted to do. Can we talk about Alibaba for a second? Because sure. I feel like it is a resource that if you don't know about it and you're listening to this, it's invaluable. If you're trying to learn about product development and you're trying to skip a few steps and get to people that can build stuff out for you. That's all I did is I would go on there and I would search for any company making any vaporizers that had the hardware inside of them that I wanted in my dream device. And so that connected me to them and I worked on it for all of 2013 and what I ended up with was a product that nobody had heard of called the Puffco Classic. 
and we bought about a thousand units of it. We sold it all, but I didn't believe in it. I didn't feel like it was something that was going to level up the experience that I had. I wanted to make a product that was better than what I was using before. And what I found is that the Puffco Classic was a little bit better. It, 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 didn't, it didn't sell me on something that was truly disruptive. So I bought that first thousand, I sold it all to about two stores. I didn't reorder, I went back to the drawing board and started working on the Puffco Pro. Puffco Pro was the first vape pen with variable temperature control. Uh, the time that it came out, its chamber size was about three times the size of any comparable product. Instead of using fiberglass or a cotton wick, it was using a ceramic one, significantly ahead of its time. And that's a product we released in October of 2014, and it went on to win Vaporizer of the Year for High Times in 2015. And that's when everything changed. I, I would love to talk about disruption a bit more. Sure. Like the sneaker game, clothing, cannabis. It's yeah. all, how you might not know, but you knew that it wasn't good enough yet. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you're a real innovator, it's not chasing that one innovation. It's, it's a, a life methodology. Like your first one is great, but the people who consider themselves innovators and you've done one thing, you've innovated one thing, and now you spend all your time trying to protect that one thing, you, you, you got lucky, you know, and you got lucky in innovation and congrats because that is so much more than some people get. But innovation is, is artistry. It's, it's wanting to make something that will never be perfect, but you want to get it perfect enough for you to accept it as good enough. And you know, there, there was a time we moved away from innovation and disruption. So, um, was money involved? So it's like play no, it safe. No, I mean, I've, I've always, Puffco has no investors. I've always kept all my money in Puffco as many millions of dollars as Puffco would make. I would never pay myself millions of dollars. I just wanted to keep floating the dream and have the money to do what I wanted to with the business. That meant more to me than, you know, buying a nice car or a nice watch or like, you know, whatever material things people value. Um, I just wanted to see my dreams actualize. So there's, the, I just need enough money to keep a roof over my head and do what I have to do and everything else goes into funding the dreams. So no, money money actually played no role in it. Money became tight later on. Um, but yeah, I can, I can get into that. So the, the point where disruption kind of fell was we released the Puff Go Pro, things are going well, wins high times. Soon as it wins high times, every other vaporizer company sees this product and they're like, okay, this is what people want, let's copy it, let's make it. So three months after, three to four months after the High Times article is released, we get copied to death. Mm -hmm. um, by some companies that, you know, whatever, they don't care if they copy or not, by other companies that identified their success as the toppling of Puffco. Because even though we're a three-person company at the time, we're high times best vape pen of the year. So they just think that we're, we're now the big dogs and they're the underdogs. So we start getting attacked by every other company as a means of them becoming successful. Um, they're copying our products. They're making identical copies. Our patents are recently filed. I'm a young CEO. Like I filed my patents considerably late and some of those just got issued in the past like eight months oh wow going to way back then and then one of the biggest most devastating blows come to comes to puffco and that's we lose our entire supply chain so oh. for for the development of the puffco classic that was all me 
I couldn't get what I wanted to from the factory, so I went through like family, friends, and I was connected with somebody called a trader. A trader is a person who has their own supply chain in China, their own ability to build things, and they stay in between you and everything in China. If you're new, it's kind of great because you don't have to know anything now. You're just going to a person and being like, "These are my dreams. This is what I want to make. Please get this done for me." They're an English speaker. They're based out of here. They have accountability here in the states, and they'll go and they'll do that for you. And that's how the PuffGo Pro came to be.、Hmm. So, these traders that give us no transparency into the supply chain stay between us and every single thing we use there.、Um, they, I guess, fucked up the relationship, and now we are the biggest vape pen seller. Um, maybe not the biggest seller, but we have at least the most in-demand product in the industry at the time, and are close to the biggest seller. And we lose our ability to sell stuff. At the same time, everybody is copying our products. So you can arguably go to another company and get a copy of our products, and that was a huge blow. I can't sell you anything. People are copying me. Every company started taking negative campaigns against Puffco, like they're out of business. It got to the point where I was going to see my tattoo artist months later, and he was like, "Hey, dude, everything okay? I heard you went out of business."、Whoa. It's like, where the fuck did you hear that from? And that's because he heard from my competitors that were all pretty big, like "fuck Puffco, they're done. Buy the things you would buy from them from us." So now I have a challenge, right? Now I'm building out this new supply chain. I fire the traders. Um, uh, what we did in reaction to that was me and Tom, our, our head of operations at the time, is we just jump on a plane to China. I spend about a month in China. Tom spends almost three months in China, and we're just chasing, figuring out exactly how to get, you know, the old stuff built. While we're doing that, other people are scaling their businesses with our old products. And now I went from making something new that people haven't seen that was unique and different. To once I get my product ready, the same product to be sold again, I'm gonna seem like a white label product maker. That's never been me. So now I have the most popular products in the space, and I have a dilemma: Do I even keep selling this? Because they can get the same thing from others, and I currently can't stop them. And that makes me seem like just another guy putting a sticker on something he bought from China, hoping somebody will buy it. And so we switched to creating the product that. Had been a dream the entire time with the Pro, and that's the PuffGo Plus. We wanted to create a dab rig inside of a vape pen, fully, fully, fully coilless system, dabber and carb cap built into the mouthpiece. Would give you the same flavor and experience that a dab rig would, but vape pen is the form that I knew at the time. Plus comes out,、um, had some bumps in the road on release. Now this is something that we fully manage the supply chain. The product had some issues on release. We stopped all sales. We quickly got through it. Replaced any issues any of the customers had. Ends up becoming the most awarded vape pen of all time. Now,、huh. the Pro is not for sale anymore. It's been discontinued. And a lot of the comments that we're getting from the community is that the Plus is great, but it, the Pro is better. The dab heads are in love with the Plus because, like, this is amazing. Now I can have the same experience I get while, while dabbing in a vape pen. I never used vape pens before. Now I love vape pens because of the Plus.、Mm -hmm. But the old users, they would not stop harassing us about this, and that's when the culture of disruption and innovation at Puffco died. And I started working on the Puffco Pro too, and we made something that looked like the Puffco Plus. But had the Puffco Pro technology, which is really old, 2013, 2014 tech inside of it, in 2017. That's a hundred years old. At yeah. That point. <laughs> yeah. I mean,、right? it might as well be. Yeah. You know, it's、Dinosaur、like dinosaur bones. Yeah. yeah. It's、mm -hmm. like an old mouse pad. But 
people loved it. Very successful product, sold a ton of it, but I'm no longer making something to serve me. I'm making something to serve an angry group of consumers. And that threw me into a pretty serious depression. I didn't realize it at the time. Wow. Um, and as soon as I got the opportunity and Avi asked me like, okay, what's next? I'm like, fuck this bullshit. Let's do the peak. Let's just get to work on the peak. And that was in January or February of um, 2017. So we were like doing little bits of development and testing in the back end, but now it was all resources pointed at one product. Everybody in the company is working on making this thing exist compared to before of like in our spare time, you know, four to eight hours a week, we're putting work into this thing to it being our only focus. Um, and the peak was really like, I mean, my life savior in many ways because it, it got me out of the depression. I was back to being passionate. We were building out our dreams. It was a product that, that, that the, the, the culture of innovation is, is something that it's always been just this burning thing inside of you where you just want to keep pushing the limits, not for yourself, not, not for the consumers, not for the clout, not for any reason other than you just need it to exist. Um, and the only time I fell on that was with the Puffco Pro 2. So for anyone who's listening who doesn't know the Puffco Peak, uh, number one, go and get one <laughs> right away. No, yeah, sure. <laughs> Hurry up. The, the Puffco Peak is, it, it, it isn't, you know, we, we've called it a smart rig and other stuff, but really it's, it's a no learning curve, no stigma way of dabbing. Mm. And no I, torch, no nail. No torch, no nail. It's going to get it to the perfect temperature every time. Easy to share, easy for any person to use. And, you know, from the years of 2014 to I think 2016 or 17 until I quit smoking cigarettes, I was exclusively a dabber. And what I learned while dabbing is that my, my relationship with cannabis changed. When I was a joint user, I smoke a joint, my day is kind of over. Yo. Like, I'm stupid, I'm yeah. slow. When I'm dabbing, I am energetic. I can't take a dab before I go to sleep because I will not go to sleep. My mind will start racing. I'll start wanting to talk about every single thing in the world. Yep. And the reason I believe this to be the case is because of reclaim. Reclaim is what's left behind in your bowl um, when you're done dabbing, and it's chock full of CBN. And you're smoking. CBN is a byproduct of THC. Consider it to be the you know the ash of THC. And when you're smoking a joint, you're smoking all of that CBN. When you're dabbing, you're leaving it behind in the bowl. What CBN does is it gets you tired and it gets you hungry. And CBN is one of the things that is useful if you are looking to improve your appetite. Absolutely you useful. Know, if you're someone who's yeah, like, if you need you know, to sleep, if you need to eat from more, nausea or any of that kind absolutely. of stuff, CBN will I mean, help if you, you. If you're a medical patient and, and and you have AIDS, CBN is probably one of your best friends. Yep. But I don't have a use for CBN. I, right. I, I my my relationship with cannabis because of dabbing changed from being something closer to alcohol to being something closer to coffee. Hmm. It's an enhancer and no longer an escape. And it can be an escape, and that's the power of dabs. Is if you take enough of them or a big enough one, you can get yourself right back to the point the joints get you. But the option is yours now. Mm -hmm. Now you can go and use something and feel better about the day uh, we have a lot of listeners who are in states and cities where it's just not legal yet and they're like we can't wait we listen to you and sure. we're so excited to become legal here dot 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 but dabbing is intimidating i don't want to carry a blowtorch around with me sure. for the rest of my life right there's something about 
the dab that is aggressive. I mean, dab culture has been so, in my world, before the peak was released, dab culture was massive. There were tons of us that all have torches and a pelican in our backpack. And why? There was a steep learning curve. There was so much risk of having a bad experience, yet tens of thousands of us would do this every single day, not caring about the learning curve, not caring about the failed moments, just chasing that perfect dab nonstop. And I think one of the reasons why it was so important for me to release the Puff Go Peak was if we can remove the stigma of a learning curve and make it something that's approachable and all you're left with is the experience itself of dabbing and the experience that I get every time I put in all this work, the torching, using a timer, laying it down at the perfect time, putting on the carb cap. If I could remove all of that from you, just let you click a button and have the same experience that took me years to refine and learn everybody would be using it. And as a woman, honestly, you know, like attending a lot of the cannabis events, cannabis cups and all that kind of stuff, the dab culture felt very aggressively masculine. It was Mm -hmm. a lot of like hardcore looking dudes who, you know, didn't necessarily welcome someone like me into the fold. And the peak is so fantastic for that. Like absolutely anyone can pick one up. Anyone can use it. It, to me, the aesthetic of it, I want it to sit out on my coffee table and look like a beautiful piece. People want to know about it. Thank you. So no, cool. Thank you, guys. I mean, it was the goal. We didn't know that we would we would go so far above the goal and that it would be this successful. So thank you. Really, really appreciate it. I'd like to go backwards a little bit. Sure. Because when you're talking about losing your way, getting depressed, trying to make everybody like you, essentially, instead of following sure. your heart who's your circle? Are you keeping a circle close or are you pushing everyone away and then digging deep into yourself to come out the other side? So, I mean, the the idea to immediately move to the peak was one purely out of frustration. I hate this product. I mean, probably shouldn't talk about it, but I will. But like internally, I was like, every Pro 2 user is a scumbag. I hate them. Now I hate the people that I'm making products for. I'll meet my friends. They'll be like, dude, this new Pro 2, amazing. And I'll be like, you fucking scumbag. I knew you were one of those. Like, I, I, it, it, yeah. it was very, very toxic for me. And working on the peak was a matter of just getting back to doing things I enjoy. The depression doesn't go away. Um, I was not a great leader at the time. I was very angry. I would probably lead with anger. Bring back up Avi again. I think I've told this story a bunch. He's probably sick of hearing it if he'll hear this. But we were in China and we were finishing up the peak development. And Avi just was real with me about the frustrations that the employees had with me. Um, I gave him insight of like, well, a lot of these frustrations are not things I'm actually doing. I'm doing the things they want. And he was like, well, if that's the case, man, then you need to work on perception more than you do intention. And it was the first time that... Um, I think it probably wasn't the first time uh, one of my employees was real with me and obviously as much of a friend as he is an employee but when people care enough about you to be honest with you and if you care enough about them to to try to take that feedback and actualize it into something useful for everybody that's a really powerful moment of growth and Avi had given me that opportunity and and then it became addictive now I want to hear what every employee thinks of me and how I can do better and, and what areas I can do better in and every bit of progress you see where you see them you see yourself earning their trust and they see themselves earning your trust with their honest feedback that would normally push people away and you start 
developing a very inclusive environment where negative feedback is what you give people you care about, not people that you don't care about. And the people that we're nicest to are the people that, you know, we just don't think are worth it for us or the people that don't last here. Every single person at Puffco that we care about almost consistently, almost all of them gets pulled and they're like, listen, man, you're fucking up in this area. And it's because we care. The ones we don't care, we're just like, ah, seems like they're not right. Let's give them another two weeks and see if they could figure it out on their own. But that's our culture now is, yeah. is growth, is pushing each other to all be better than we were yesterday. And I, I think that's, that's one of the thing that, things that really binds us together now. I think that's the meaning of life, right? Sure. Is to try yeah, and be better I mean, than you were yesterday. In, in my opinion, growth growth for sure is is the chase of life. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not scared to die, but I'm trying to make the most of being alive and sure. become like a better me. Oh, man, I think I get, I get more afraid of death as I get older, I guess, but it probably comes with the territory. Um, but I'm so appreciative that I exist, that especially that not only do I exist, but this is my existence. I grew up really 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 poor and single mom and like uh, not a, as much of a traumatizing childhood as as you know many other people have had but something that left me in in its own way scarred um to have this to be living my dream and have people who love me i i my my growth wasn't finished before the peak was released, but I am no more fulfilled now than I was before the peak was released. Hmm. So like all the success, all the respect, I went from just a guy who people would see his face in the industry to, I guess, a bit of a culture carrier and somebody that people look to for you know whatever they look to me for now. Mm-hmm. That, that hasn't given me any more fulfillment. It's the respect of the people that I respect. And I have been chasing that since before the peak was released. So everything else I get, the success, the respect, the the products that I love and that I use, it's all gravy on top of this thing that I really love, which is working on things I love with people I love. Yeah, I mean, I think once you start creating opportunity for people and they start looking to you to sort of show them the way to then create their own opportunities for others, you know, that's the way forward. Sure, I mean, but they, together. they've done that for me as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like I... I, I I guess I consider myself a, a, a pretty good leader, but they are fully responsible for that. I've, I've, I've befriended and other CEOs in the space have befriended me and some of them have companies that are worth 50 or 100 million or $200 million and I would go to them for advice and none of them had given me a fraction of the useful feedback that my team did when they're telling me why I fucking suck. Things about me that just make me purely unlikable. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. lear- learning those things are really, really healthy. And other CEOs are, you know, very matter of fact of like, well, people suck, you get new ones. And they're not, they're not growth focused mm-hmm. like we are. They're just get the right people in place and you keep it moving and you lose some and you win some. And we don't believe in that. Is it hard to say no to just being bought out? and just kind of having all the money possibly to play and invent and create and enjoy process forever? Um, no, it's not hard to say no. I mean, I'm doing that now. Yeah. I can't, you know, it's like if you're ever, uh, I forgot what friend told it to me, but I was like, you know, smoking and partying and having a good time. And I was like, I want to smoke more and do and drink more and do this other stuff. And they're like, you're having a great time. 
you can't have more of a great time. <laughs> you, you can only push it to the point of having a bad time. Yeah. I'm doing that. I have enough money in the bank account to create whatever I want with Puffco. Our revenue is looking extremely well. At any point, if I wanted to uh, make myself a millionaire, I can let go a lot of employees and just turn this into a business that capitalizes on its popularity. I could just stop innovating and overnight get at least as much money as anybody would pay me for Puffco. What I'm not going to have after that, after the point of sale, is a group of people that grow me and a mission that is worthy of all of us. That's rare. And so there's no amount of money that somebody can give me to make me give up an opportunity that I think is given to a few people people in a lifetime maybe um i think it, there will come a point where maybe you know if we all the crazy ideas that we have if we can actualize all of them there may come a point where you know somebody offers us a number that's hard to say no to and i assume at that point i'll just be able to bonus everybody out what they would have paid us anyways that's what's up and it's more about when will it get to the point where it's no longer fun and that's when I want to sell it, when it's just no longer fun. Maybe that will be when it's too big of a business, but I've been thinking about that these past few months of like, you know, maybe it'll get to the point where we have 200 employees. And when I was in my mom's basement thinking of Puffco, I wasn't thinking of having to manage 200 employees. But at the same time, if half of those employees are as good as the employees that we have today, I will be so much more enriched being around that many amazing people that are growing me significantly more than I'm growing them. If you're an investment banker, if you work for a VC fund and you're like, you're fucking stupid, Roger. Like, how could you not take that money? You're fucking stupid. Tired of you motherfuckers reaching out to me. Stop calling me. I have no interest. Nobody who wants to purchase a company like mine is actually interested in what it's capable of. Right. And all they look at is like, come on, man, don't you want to transact? Like, you did this to be rich. Don't you want to transact? And on some Bob Marley shit, it's like, our definition of rich is not the same, my friend. You are one of the brokest people I've ever spoken to. Hell yes. And I am one of the richest people I know. And I am far from a millionaire. All of my money is in Puffco. Can I so, just, yeah. as, as far as the cannabis game goes, we uh, went to an event at a very wealthy person's name who will be remain nameless, but sure. like a, you know, a cannabis billionaire or millionaire or whatever, like a, a wealthy person who just was like dead, dead in the eyes, you know, no just, art on the walls. No art There's on the no, walls. What, nothing. What do you, what do no you, life, no inner life. Yeah. I mean, what, where does your fulfillment come from for money? I bought, I actually did buy a nice watch, um, you know, the first time I came into money with Puffco at the end of, uh, what was it, at the end of 2015, I think, I got myself a little gift of an Audemars, which is a really expensive watch. I'm not wearing it right now, I'm wearing my Apple watch, because I realized that when I got that, I was impressing the most miserable, emotionally depraved people I had ever met. Hmm. It wasn't making me happy. It would only make them feel worse about themselves that they didn't have something as nice as me or the ones richer than me would be like, nice, you're on your way, kid. On my way to what? Hmm. You know, like it just didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. So I, I, you know, I feel for the businessmen in the space that are just chasing a transaction that they can tie to a better value for themselves. But I've had to learn the hard way that there's no amount of money that is going to make me like myself more. Um, I grew up poor, so there's a certain basic level of income that I want to have so I can keep a roof over my head and know that if I have to, I can keep a roof over my mother's head. Like there's that side of it. That is not $100 million. 
um, that's not what I need to, to keep myself fed and housed or my mom. My mom doesn't need that today. She's doing fine. She's doing great. She's the one who lent me 1200 bucks <laughs> a few years ago. Did you pay her back? I, I, you know what? I've given her money since then. Like I've had that very luxury moment of just going and handing your mom a wad of cash and being like, this is for you. But, and it was more than 1200 bucks, but I don't uh -huh. think I was ever like, and this counts towards that 1200. <laughs> so let's just, let's just say it's like an IOU on a napkin and you're yeah. like, we can rip that up now. Yeah, Let's yeah, just, yeah. let's say I still owe it to her. Maybe I'll go see her and be like, here's the 1200 bucks specifically for that, <laughs> for that one thing. Um, we should probably wrap up, but yeah, we uh, should. Uh, yeah, I just, quick. I wanted to ask about, um, you know, you're the future of cannabis consumption as a, as a, as a, a dabbing accessory. Where do you see the future of the cannabis world, the cannabis market? So I think that uh, this is something Puffco is, is really tasked heavily with. We're in the middle of a massive expansion in our creative department, this being one of the focuses, but I think you brought up before streetwear and, and the rise of some cultures. Um, and, and I'll reference those cultures. There's growing up, uh, I'm a New Yorker, I'm sitting with two New Yorkers who might remember this, but uh, on Z100, when I was about eight years old, they would play ads that would be like, we don't play that rap crap on here. You're only going to hear hip hop now on Z100 because that is pop music. And you had something that was a frowned upon counterculture that has now risen to being the pop culture to the point where rainbow haired rappers from SoundCloud that have no musical talent are platinum selling artists. Um, that's what happens when a culture rises. With streetwear, Supreme back in the day was a bunch of badass kids that are tagging up buildings and getting into trouble and doing fucked up shit. And now they're a billion dollar company and the biggest fashion houses in the world are hiring streetwear designers. Virgil is leading Louis Vuitton and now these, these oppressors of high fashion are now capitalizing on this rising culture by including it. And that's happened in gaming as well, where I think there isn't a, a person out there that doesn't know what Fortnite is, regardless of how you play. There will be a culture rising in cannabis. It's not gonna be 420 nurses. It's not going to be guys pretending to be billionaires who have Ferraris and a bunch of girls in bikinis laying around their house. It's going to be the cool kids we've been watching, the streetwear kids tagging up buildings, the hip hop artists saying, fuck you, I don't need your respect. That's what's going to rise. And we believe in fostering a culture to the point where it can be consumed widely by people outside of the space. The kids buying Supreme today are kids that have never tagged up a fucking building and might have did a year in jail for it. The kids listening to hip hop today are not kids that were listening to shit back in the day and being frowned upon by every person around them. They're people that benefit from a destigmatized, fully actualized culture. And I think that's what's next for cannabis and it needs leaders in the space fostering that. We've tasked ourselves with being one of those leaders. I can't honestly say I could point to another one in the space. There are people working with hip hop artists. I don't think that that's going to rise the culture. I think that hip hop artists have always talked about weed. Most companies are in the same circle jerk of doing things that, have, that make it easy to grow in popularity. We're popular. We don't need to chase popularity. We need to chase a culture that is digestible to people that used to frown upon it. And that's what I think is next. And I, I hope Puffco is fortunate enough to play a role in fostering that culture. Damn. Hell I mean, yes. talk about a mic drop. Like, 
Good God. I think that's a wrap. Yeah. yeah. With that, please, plugs. We can't skip over all yeah, of that. Um, so puffco.com is where all of our products are. Um, I, I pretty regularly do live broadcasts on my Instagram. That's Jolly Roger NYC, uh, Jolly R-O-G-E-R NYC. And our... Our Instagram for for Puffco is just Puffco. P is in Peter. U F F C is in Charlie. O. Anything else? Well, I think that's it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, guys.